Welcome to the Canine PT Academy Podcast. Business lessons for canine rehabilitation therapists. Introducing your host, Dr. Francisco Maya. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Canine PT Academy Podcast, Business Lessons for Canine Rehabilitation Therapists. So last week we had our first interview with uh, Dr. Chris Mackey. If you guys haven't listened to it, I'll highly encourage you to go back and do so. Um, and then today, we are going to be talking with Dr. Lisa Woodside, who is a DVM, CCRT, CVSMT. Okay, but before we do so, just wanted to once again mention that once I get back from vacation, which this episode, it's coming out on... Uh, Let's see, it does come out on June 22nd. So if you're listening to this as it comes out, I am in the United Kingdom right now. I am on vacation and I am sure um, it was not a easy flight to get there with a, with a toddler. <laughs> but I'm sure right now I'm starting to have some fun, starting to have uh, some fish and chips and, um, you know, starting to actually enjoying the trip. But... But the reason why I'm mentioning this is because we're going to be having this series of interviews, as you guys know, but then we'll come back, of course. And then as I come back in mid-July, I want to do an Ask Me Anything episode. So if you have any questions you've been dying to ask me, please, please follow the link to fill out a Google form in the show notes. Um, you can choose to put your name on the form, but you don't have to. And even if you do put your name, I'm not going to mention it on the podcast. Okay. So on the podcast, the questions are going to be completely anonymous, but sometimes it's helpful for me to have your name. So I just can follow up with you afterwards. Make sure you don't have any follow up questions. All right. But, uh, today's episodes, it, it's, it's a really special episode to me, to be quite honest. So, I wanted it, you know, as I was, uh, um, you know, looking to do this new series of interviews, of course, I wanted it to bring a DVM, you know, offer a different perspective. And and the reason why this is exciting is, uh, uh, and we talked about this towards the end of the interview, is Lisa is here in Chicago as well. She's on the south suburbs, but she's not that far from my clinic. You know, maybe um, on a good day with no traffic, 45 minutes to an hour, on a normal day, you know, close to an hour and a half or so. So, you know, uh, f- far away, but not that far. Um, and we talked about that, how wonderful it is to be able to build a network of um, people that you can refer out, that you trust, and realizing how we are on this together and the benefits that it brings to all of us in the field of canine rehab you know, from different individuals, from different businesses uh, uh, succeeding and the exposure that that brings to all of us and how we can all benefit from it, okay? So that was a very, very good discussion. Um, The other thing that was just really interesting uh, from it was the pros and cons of a hybrid semi-mobile canine rehab practice. So uh, Lisa started her practice. She wasn't truly mobile. She wasn't really going to people's homes. That's why it's a semi-mobile practice where she was renting out space from two, three different locations. So she was not in just one location every day of the week. She was in two different locations throughout the week. 
Um, and we talked a lot about that and, and, and the pros and the cons that kind of like came along with that, along with how it was to transition from that setup to a standalone rehab clinic, you know, that she opened a couple of years ago now and what have been, you know, the challenges with that as well. So uh, a terrific discussion, especially for you guys who think about or have this semi-mobile kind of setup, renting out, you know, like a room at a veterinary clinic or a, a, a small space within a dog training or dog boarding facility, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, it was a, a, a it was eye-opening, things that I wasn't even aware of to kind of like keep in mind when you are in those situations. Um, the other thing we talked about from a marketing perspective, which it is a lot of, you know, what I teach with the Business Accelerator program as well, is figuring it out who you want your client base to be, you know, and how important that is to have a specific target audience and, and, and understanding who is that you really want to help and what's the message that you're trying to get across. Um, and then the other really interesting thing that we talked about was in terms of raising our rates, raising our fees, and, and, and how it is truly about providing personalized care and building the relationship with clients. You know, and we all get very icky. We all get uh, uh, very fearful of raising our rates. You know, I cannot tell you how many times I've talked with canine rehab therapists through that process of raising the rates. And the most interesting thing is more often than not, after they raise the rates, they realize that, oh, man, I should have raised this long time before, you know, because the pushback that they got wasn't there they, that they thought they would get, you know, and they realized how much less stressful it becomes to run the business that actually brings more revenue, you know, and, and just just a few days ago, I got a message from a canine rehab therapist who I had done a consulting call a couple months ago, helping her through that process. And she messaged it. She let me know that she raised the rates and the feedback that she got from a lot of clients was actually like, that it was about time that they kind of like knew this was going to happen, you know, so they weren't surprised and it was about time because she deserved to raise the rates, you know. So anyways, hopefully you guys find this uh, a second interview helpful uh, and stay tuned. If you haven't been following me on social media, guys, go follow us on social media. I'll be sharing a lot of a lot of um, a lot of things from out my vacation, from my trip, a lot of uh, fun things, but a lot of learned lessons and stuff as well. Um, and feel free to uh, friend request me on Facebook as well. OK, I, I love being Facebook friends with all of you guys. And I post a lot of this stuff on my personal Facebook page too. Uh, I don't have anything to hide. For those of you guys who know me, you know that my Facebook profile is mostly all public. I got nothing to hide and I feel it's important for me to share. Here's the thing. I think it's important for me to share with you guys too that it's okay for us to go on vacation. A lot of times as business owners in this field, we, we get so scared of going on vacation and that if we do go, we make it extra short or if we don't make it extra short, we really don't enjoy the vacation as much as we should because we are always worried about what's going to be going on with the business while we're gone. Okay, so that's why I wanted to share a lot of the behind the scenes and stuff on social media. It's not so you guys can see me on vacation, but it, so you guys can hopefully see that we don't have to fit into this mode that we've been told that, oh, as business owners in the canine rehab field, you can't really enjoy time off. 
that you have to be working 24 7 365 days a week that's just not feasible that's not doable you know so that's why i wanted to to bring you along this journey so you can understand that part of the process as well okay but um please fill out the google form if you have any questions for me all right and i hope you you enjoyed this interview with dr lisa woodside Okay, so we have another terrific interview today. We have Dr. Lisa Woodside. She's a DVM, CCRT, CVSMP with her clinic, Ready to Go Rehab, located in Mokina, Illinois. Lisa, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Fran. <laughs> All right. So, so I always like starting with, like, how did you get into this field of animal rehab? What was that drawn into it? What What's your journey? Yeah, so I had a senior Labrador who was having trouble walking on his back end. And like many people, I was like, you know what I think he needs? I think he needs some underwater treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I found somewhere that had an underwater treadmill and I took him there and they were like, yeah, that's great. But he also needs these other things. And I was like, cool. So if I get the other things, I can get the underwater treadmill. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, great, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then over time from doing that, I saw all the benefits of the manual therapy and he got acupuncture and um, the exercises that we were doing at home. And I thought, oh, that's like a, like more people need to learn how to do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, I got two extra years with that dog because of the therapy that I did him for. And so when he um, passed away, I convinced my boss at the time to get an underwater treadmill. And then I said, you know, someone should go learn how to use that. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I started at CRI. Awesome. And then I did the CRI course, got my CCRT, and then okay. I did my uh, Cairo stuff after that. So you did the CCRT first, and then you did uh, the chiropractic stuff yeah, afterwards? I my, yeah, I got my um, veterinary spina spinal manipulation therapist from the Healing Oasis. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. I completed the IDAS course for acupuncture after that. Oh, cool. Okay. And then uh, how long ago was that? When, when was that you started like on this journey then? Um, 2010. Okay. So you've been, you've been at it for, for a bit now. Lots mm -hmm. of changes, you know, in the whole yeah. field over, you know, the last 12, 13 years, you know, uh, yeah. uh, since then. And then when did you go out and start ready to go veterinary rehab? Uh, February 2015. All right. And what was, so that wasn't right away then. So tell us more about that. What, what was that led you towards going out on your own and, and get that going? Yeah. So I worked in GP, so general practice for mm -hmm. all those years. So I graduated vet school in 2009. And so I worked in GP and then I was doing kind of rehab. And then when I'd finished my rehab cases for the day, I would go finish my day with GP. And then just after doing that for a number of years, I thought, you know what? I really just want to do rehab full time. And I thought about it and there was a couple chiropractor veterinarians in the area that had semi-mobile practices and I had talked to them and I was like, I could do that. So mm -hmm. I got myself set up with some places to go to and I went to, uh, I quit my job and then I went to one location each day of the week. So at a different place I went to each day and I did rehab, acupuncture, spinal manipulation, 
Um, and I would pull up with my car and unload all my stuff into mm-hmm. a cart, wheel my cart inside and then set up for the day and then close up shop at the end of the day. And then eventually I was like, yeah, I'm kind of just, I'm kind of just done with that. <laughs> and I would like to be <laughs> in one place. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Then, so, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So then we got the ball rolling on that. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get to the, yeah, the, the point where, yeah, yeah, you got sick of that and you're like, let me figure it out how to have my own location. I do want to talk more, a little bit more about that semi-mobile format because it is a little bit different. I have interviewed people who were mobile. I have interviewed people who had their own space, but I don't think I have had a guest yet who uh, who had that semi-mobile kind of like concept, which can be very, very helpful for a lot of the listeners that are trying to figure out how to get this going. So tell us more, I think, how, how did that work out for you and what were like the pros and cons of it? So I think the pros were that I could service a wide variety of area. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have to build up a huge client base in one location, right? Like, so I wasn't just in one town, like I wasn't in like Wheaton, Illinois, and I had Mm -hmm. to build up a whole client base from Wheaton. I was one day in one town, one day in another town, one day in another town, all suburbs, you know, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, one day in Frankfurt, one day in Geneva, one day in Plainfield, um, and then on Wednesdays, I split the days and I would go to Frankfurt, New Lenox and Campton Hills on Wednesdays. So one like those rotated. Okay. But then I didn't have to build a huge client space in one location. I could spread it mm-hmm. out. And yeah. then um, it was much easier to build a client base that way. Yeah. And, 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 you know, those are all, you know, for the listener who's not familiar. So those are all like southern suburbs or so of Chicago. Right. Um, yeah. How. How far was the furthest spaces from each other? Were they like an hour and a half away from each other? Like what was the area that you covered? The furthest distance was an hour. So from okay. Frankfurt to Campton Hills, it'd be about an hour. About an hour. But then you were able yeah. to cover the bigger area. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, what were the challenges with it that I guess, of course, led you into the next step, which was finding a fixed location for ready-to-go rehab? Yeah. So some of the challenges were that it was hard to like, if you wanted to see, for instance, like somebody twice a week, because they had yeah. like a really severe, like a bad neuro case or something where you're like, I really need to see it twice a week. It was really hard to get them in twice a week because you were in Frankfurt, but then like they didn't want to drive mm-hmm. to playing fields, you know? So mm-hmm. it was really challenging to manage more complicated cases. And then you never were settled. So you were always getting there. Like you'd get there and you'd have to set up your table and set up your computer and pull out a chair and like get everything set up and then see your patients and then break everything down at the end of the day. And I do um, Chinese herbs and supplements and things. So I had Mm -hmm. a cart and I literally had boxes in my car with all the supplements in them. And I have Mm -hmm. to unload the cart, wheel it inside, then load it all back up at the end of the night. And it just became kind of tedious after a while. Um, Mm -hmm. and I had other things I wanted to offer clients and I just was not able to do them with that model, but it was a super great model to start off with. I had really supportive people, um, who wanted me to succeed that where I was able to like rent space from their locations and they wanted Mm -hmm. me to do well and they promoted my business at their location, you know, so that was really helpful. Um, one of the places that I worked was like a dog boutique store. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was great. I did work one day a month out of an animal hospital. 
And I didn't think that was as great. Like they weren't in a different animal hospital might be better, but they weren't as great about like promoting my services. And I was like, okay. but I'm here. Like you can't mm-hmm. want me here and then not want. So I was kind of over that. And then um, I would say if anyone is thinking about doing that model, one thing from having been in so many different places over the years, what I would say is negotiate a flat fee for okay. your rental for the day. Um, because I did it both ways. Some places I had where they wanted like a percentage of each visit. And then other places they wanted, like I just paid, you know, a hundred bucks to be there for the day. Right. And so I would say that was much financially, it was much better to pay the flat fee for the day than the percentage of each visit. And then I would also say, schedule your own appointments, mm-hmm. like handle your own schedule. Don't have the place you're renting from handle your schedule because it's never going to be the way you want it. <laughs> yes. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. That, those are great <laughs> tips. Those are so, great yeah. tips. And I, and I often, yeah. So I, I'm glad that you brought it up because often when people ask me, you know, about, Oh, I have the opportunity of, you know, renting a room, using a space at like, you know, either a veterinary clinic or a dog training boarding facility and stuff. And people ask me, you know, how to go about that. That's usually what I tell them. It's like try to negotiate a flat fee. Yes. So you're not paying a percentage of what you do. Keep it simple, as simple as Mm -hmm. possible, because then percentage is like, well, how many appointments did I have? How much was this? How much was that? It just gets very, very complicated. And then of course I wouldn't want to show my books to you know to to this other business kind of stuff and and the other thing that i say too and i don't know if you ever did this it's uh if you're gonna do a flat fee per session because sometimes people like starting at a flat flat fee per session better than a flat fee for the whole day while they're kind of like building up their caseload which you know can be helpful so you're not committing to a full day of having that space when you just have like a couple patients to kind of like start with i tell them do a flat fee per session but then put a cap on it. Yes, right? I've done, I did that before, yeah. Put a, put a cap on that because then if you get super busy, then you have a cap of like, okay, this is as much as I can kind of like pay, you know? Yeah. And the uh, the business, and it works well for the business owner who is renting that space, you know, okay. from you too as well. It just keeps things simple. So great things to, to bring it mm-hmm. up. So then let's uh, uh, get, you I- know, to, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I had one place where it worked really well. They charged me per hour until a certain dollar amount. Okay. So they charged me, it was like, I don't know, $25 or $30 an hour until $100. So like when I was building up my clients, I would try to get everybody in like those first couple yeah. hours, like, you know, stack everybody real tight. And then after that, it was, you know, I paid for the space. So it was fine that's after great. that. So oh, yeah. That, yeah, that's a good way too. like, so yeah, good, yeah. yeah. And then what I would add it to is in terms of, you mentioned the scheduling too. Yeah. Making sure you have control of your scheduling. Yeah. And then also like, I would like, if I'm the one running all the payments and all that kind of stuff, I would, I would not recommend having those places, like, especially if it's a veterinary clinic running, you know, the payments for your sessions and then paying you a percentage afterwards. Yes, that was terrible. You know? I did yeah. that at one place and that was awful. Like yeah. I would, they would take the payments for the day and at the end they would cut me a check and it was mm-hmm. just a pain yeah. in the butt. And I, every time I got that check, I would think this is not worth it. <laughs> yeah. I think that also just gets too complicated yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then let's fast forward a little bit to then when you got to the point of 
you realizing that, you know what, I want to have my own space. I want to figure it out how to have my own space. And I think if memory serves me right, you open ready to go the space in 2021. Is that correct? Uh, we are great. Are, are we open the space in 22 in April of 22. Oh, okay. All right. So just a little bit over a year now. I don't know. It felt yeah. like it has it had been a little bit longer. Yeah. So walk it us through the like process. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> It feels like it's been a long time. <laughs> it feels longer. Yeah. So walk us through that process. How, you know, yeah. How did you go about figuring it out, you know, where to have that space, the the actual space that you found? I always, mm -hmm. you know, have found very interesting that it was an old bank, right? That you converted yeah. it into it. Yeah. So walk us more through that process, man. Yeah. So I looked at my locations and I looked at my client base for each location and my south suburb locations were the busiest locations mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of rehab in the south suburbs like there's rehab in the western suburbs but there's really mm -hmm. nothing in the south suburbs where i am there's a place north of me and a place a little bit west of me but there's just there's nobody down there and so i thought and i draw a lot of people from indiana too um, okay. I've in a lot of states, but I draw a lot from Indiana because there's not a lot of rehab there. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, I, I wanted to kind of go in that area and I wanted to be pretty accessible. I wanted it to be not too far off, like a main, main highway interstate sort of thing. So, um, I just looked and looked and looked, I did work with a realtor, but they weren't really helpful as far as like providing locations. Um, mm -hmm. So actually my aunt who works for me was driving around <laughs> and saw this space for lease and she looked it up and she looked up and it was, the zoning was correct. But I learned so much about like, you can't just rent any space because it has to be the right zoning for your type of business. Yes. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you have to find a landlord that will let you have um, dogs on their property. And mm -hmm. like, even though I'm a king, you have to read like the fine print so much. Cause we found the space and we were like, okay, and then finding a contractor to work with you, like that was a whole different learning curve. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I had a contractor and finally I was like, yeah, this is not, uh, not, not working. So I had to fire that contractor and get a new contractor. And this is just getting like a layout <laughs> for the space yeah. to find out if I can even use it, you know? And so we found the space and settled on a contractor and we were able to get the lease. Um, but it's so important when you get the lease, like to really read it. Like, even if you have a lawyer, look mm -hmm. it over, you really have to read it because I had a lawyer who was um, a friend of the family read through it. So that was helpful. But um, like, even in the lease, it says like no animals in the building. And I was like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what am I doing even? So, you know, you really have to read like the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I would, things I would have done differently are I probably would have tried to talk to some of the other businesses. Like, so my practice is a bank that's semi-detached yeah. in a strip mall sort of thing. Okay. It's, not really, it's, it's not really a strip mall. Well, it's, it's basically. So, or the rest of the building. Oh, can you repeat? I think we lost you there for a second. Oh, sorry. Um, so it's like the bank and then the tellers and then the rest of the strip mall. So I'm like sort of semi-detached. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. 
And I probably, there's not that many, like there's a bunch of openings in the area, like in the strip mall, but I probably Mm. would have gone to try to talk to the owners of the other businesses to find out how the property management company was before I rented the space. Okay. Like that I would have done differently. Okay, so some challenges with the landlord there. It sounds like it, which you know, it's yeah. not, it's yeah. not unusual. Yeah, yeah. Right. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, I, I, we've so, been lucky here. We have a terrific landlord, but I have heard a lot of nice. stories and stuff. So that's yeah. good advice. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have done some of that, and I, I probably would have negotiated harder on the lease. Like I would have been more willing to walk away from the space, but the space was just so perfect. Like it's so, like it's so the location is perfect and i'm on the end and there's like a whole grassy area next to the like with like trees and plenty of room mm-hmm. for the dogs to go potty and it would, i just i probably shouldn't have negotiated a little bit more been more willing to walk away i should say so, yeah um, okay yeah but yeah that was good and then we had some you know minor um of course so the build out started in the fall of 21 um when all the building prices of everything skyrocketed oh yeah perfect timing right yeah so we had and then we just ran into you know you you always run into stuff when you're building like complications Mm -hmm. and things so we had that and then um yeah and then we opened in april of 22 and um you know we opened without doors there were no doors because there was a back order um, of doors so I had no doors <laughs> on any of my roofs. Uh, I just bought a bunch of baby gates, stuck up some baby gates. Yeah. I was like, let me find. We don't need doors. Sometimes you just got to so, figure things yeah. out, right? Especially, yeah. yeah especially like, well, can't, can't let, you know, can't let a detail of not having doors get in the way of you being able to see patients. So, you know, there, yep. there's always a solution yep. to everything. <laughs> so, yeah, we did that and it was great. Um, okay. So we've been in this space and it's been awesome. Yeah, so now it's been so now it's been a year. So you know that you opened and stuff. So you know, of course, you as you shared already in a little bit, some challenges. You know, getting to the point or even being open. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. once you know, okay, now we now we're through this. We're open. We're going kind of stuff. What has been your challenges as a business owner then over the last like almost a year now in terms of like mm-hmm. now kind of like growing, you know, that business. Yeah. So my, um, the challenges that I've run into are, um, staffing, um, you know, that was a new thing for me. I had one, my assist, I had a couple like assistants before, like where I had one person helping me. Um, Mm -hmm. but then my aunt had been working for me for a couple years. So it was just her and I, and we worked together and it was great. And so now like I've had to expand my staff and I hired a technician and then I needed a, Mm -hmm. um, client experience specialist and finding the right person for those positions was challenging. Um, I'm still struggling with a second receptionist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just can't find, I thought the last person was the right person and it was not. So I'm still working on that. And uh, I have a, a girl who's in college and she's home for the summer. And I was like, you don't really need to go back to college, right? You would just stay. But yeah, so I'm doing that. So I had the challenge of hiring and, you know, expanding my staff and trying to like mesh everybody's personalities and all that. Um, And then running the business and seeing the patients like together, like managing my own time. Um, 
And then to go with that, finding the time to see all the patients um, has been a little bit of a challenge. So I'm actually um, gearing up for a price increase here and um, that's going to roll out July 1st. So I'm hoping that that will help a little bit. Like it'll cut down on my patients a little bit and then that will Mm -hmm. help with the schedule. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It would be cool to see how that works out. Right. We, you and I discussed that a little, a couple months ago when we had our, you know, incubator mastermind retreat kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, yes. you'd be, you'd be, you'd be cool to see that coming into motion. Um, mm-hmm. And I then, you know, my, go ahead. I have increased my new patient visit. So my oh, cool. new patient visit, I did increase. I'm just, um, I was just trying to find the time to work out like some package options. Uh, the, before yeah, how to I go had off a because I wanted them to okay. go together, price increase in packages. So, okay. So, so yeah. So knowing that that's kind of like a challenge that a lot of the listeners probably have in terms of like increasing the rates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 I'm not saying to 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 mention specific rates of how much you're charging, but mm-hmm. you know that process of figuring it out how much to increase by and actually implementing the increase at this point of the evaluation mm-hmm. rates kind of stuff. Um, how hard was that? Was there any pushback on it? What has been your experience with that so far? Um, so figuring out how much to charge for visits was just personally difficult for me because I am very, like one of the things about my practice is that we're very um, like personable with our clients. Like we really mm-hmm. stress building a relationship with the clients, which I then build a relationship with the clients. And then like, I know all about their personal life. And so there's some of them that <laughs> I know won't be able to afford it. And then I feel bad. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I also have to keep the doors open <laughs> and not work myself into the grave. So, um, it's a catch 22. Um, like I want their dog to receive service. So I had to like work through that personally myself um, yeah. to feel comfortable with it. And, and I feel like I have, and I think some of the packages that I'm implementing will help with that will help people be able to do the new pricing strategy. Um, you know, and I know there was mild pushback. So when I went from semi-mobile to brick and mortar, I increased prices then. And I got a little bit of pushback at the time. Um, but what I did was, um, and I think Sonia recommended this, um, when I was looking at what I was going to charge, cause I kind of figured that out with, um, I used the formula that you use Fran to do that mm-hmm. to like figure out how much I needed to make and all that sort of stuff. And then I had the girls up front. I had them tell, I said, okay, from now on, when people call to find out what the prices are, I want you to um, tell them that these are the prices and then let me know what everybody says. And not a single person said anything except, okay. Oh, there you go. And I yeah. was like, all right. All right. <laughs> so, right. You know, and that, that, that happens quite often. It's like, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, so I'm sure but, that there will be pushback yeah. from my current clients, but... Um, mm-hmm. That's you know yeah. that's why I'm implementing the packages. So I think yeah. that's why I'm going to roll them out together. And and you know a couple of things. Well, first of all, you know the 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 fact that you had to work through your own mindset around it, like mm-hmm. that's 
like 100% of us, all of us, you know, that struggle at, when we're at that point to raise the rates, because a lot of it comes to our own like self beliefs and stuff on this. And that's the second thing then it that's the reason why when we talked about that earlier this year, I told you, I recommended to you to raise the rates on the new patients like you did, right. you know, in terms of the new eval costs, because those yeah. people don't know any different. Like they don't right. know the difference. Right. Your current clients know, so it becomes a different type of conversation. But the people coming mm -hmm. in, they don't know the difference. And then it helps right. build your confidence because now, you know, you stated yeah. to these new people, this is what it is. And you got you you got, oh, that's okay, no problem. You know, it just builds your confidence in terms of like, oh, okay, like I can do this, you know. Yeah, it was very helpful to do it that way. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Gl glad to hear. And then I'll be uh, yeah, I'll be curious to hear how the, the rest of the implementation kind of like comes to do. And then, you know, you have built, you know, you have had ready to go rehab for seven, eight years now. So you have built a solid clientele. So so uh, tell us more like where, where does your clients kind of like usually come from? What is like, you know, what are your strategies in terms of like marketing and, and, and how to acquire new patients? Um, so I do a lot of sports medicine. So a lot of my clients are people who do agility, IPO, Schutzend, um, hurting, obedience, confirmation, that sort of stuff. Um, so a lot of people I meet at shows. Um, so a majority of my referrals come from word of mouth. Um, you know, I do have like my Google My Business page set up. Um, I do have some keyword searches in. Um, I just... I'm in the middle of redoing my website to kind of have a better SEO on that. Um, but right now, most of my referrals come from um, uh, word of mouth. I am starting to get referrals from animal hospitals, like other veterinarians too, which I didn't really have those before because of the way that my practice was semi-mobile. I really had like word of mouth and referrals from like local businesses more so than veterinarians. Mm -hmm. Um, so like the places I was renting from would promote my, like they would recommend mm -hmm. that people that were in there would come see me. Um, but I am starting to get some referrals from veterinarians, which as a professional, like obviously you want a diverse referral base, but as a professional, it's kind of cool to just have someone else recommend your business, right? Like they could recommend yeah. that they go anywhere. But like they recommended specifically that they come to me, which was kind of like exciting for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Did you do uh, like, you know, so you started getting some of those veterinary referrals now. Are, is that happening because of something that you did? Did you start trying to connect with those veterinary clinics more or it just kind of like happened and you're not sure why? Just sort of. Well, I'm, I'm I think because. I started to send, um, I didn't used to, but once I went with brick and mortar, I was sending my initial eval reports to the clinics. Um, mm -hmm. and I think like I've had some success with people's cases. And so, um, they're starting to send people specifically to me, you know, it's not like they handed them a list, like a sheet and we're like, here's a sheet of people you can go see. They specifically mm -hmm. were sending them my direction. So I think I've just, kind of uh had some success with cases and they've seen it and they're more willing to send yeah. cases over so it's been kind yeah. of cool yeah i think that's a great like strategy I, i've been doing that from the get-go in terms of yeah, writing the 
our our initial valuations report are, are fairly like detailed because yeah. we we send that to the referring partners you know and don't mm -hmm. know you know i know they're busy so i'm sure a lot of them don't even necessarily like read through them like a whole lot kind of stuff but i do know the feedback i have gotten in the past from a lot of them is that they were impressed on like you know kind of like the level yeah. of detail and the different things that we look you know during our evaluation that of course you know, mm -hmm. they don't do it, you know, in GP kind of stuff. So I think that's a great educational tool that sometimes we tend to forget about. A lot of canary hair therapists, yeah. I think, tend to forget about just doing something as, you know, simple as that, I feel like. Um, I will say that when I was in GP, yes, we were busy, but we read every referral report that we got. Oh, you did? Okay. Mm -hmm. Because it's a good way to learn. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's good feedback. Yeah. Yeah. So, For people who are yeah. hesitant maybe about sending those referral reports. Yeah. yeah. We read so every good. single one because if there was a case and you were like, eh, I don't know, and you had referred it, you read that report to see, you know, what they did and how they looked at the case. And we read mm -hmm. every referral report. Nice. Nice. Um, and then, you know, in terms of someone who, you know, let's talk about more like the business side of things. Like, so someone who, who might be in your position at one point in time. Maybe, you know, they're a vet just trying to figure out how to get their own thing going, mm -hmm. either mobile or semi-mobile, or maybe they do have a mobile, semi-mobile and, and, and getting, you know, trying to figure out how to get their clinic, their own space mm -hmm. kind of going. What are some like tips, advice, resources, you know, anything that you can kind of like, if you could like hand out to them that you kind of like give it to them? Yeah. Um, so I would say if you're looking to start a semi-mobile kind of practice, um, first off, figure out what you want your client base to be, right? Like, mm. do you want to, because if you want to do like more sporting dogs, find an agility place that has a back room and rent that, you know? Um, if you want to see more kind of pet type dogs with various different conditions, Find a space at like a local boutique food store that has a back room and rent that, you know, so try to figure out what you want your client base to be and then figure out where those people are and rent a space there. You know, if you want to do post-op appreciate dogs all the time, find us, find an animal hospital that is doing a ton of those types of surgery and rent a room in their hospital. You know, that's the kind of like strategy for that I used for figuring out where I was going to rent. Um, mm -hmm. and then it's a nice model because you can start it, like you can keep your regular job and just do that one day a week, you know, or cut back like gradually at your regular job so you can add new days so that you can gradually build your client base. But, um, you know, have like a quote unquote open house, you know, start making blog posts and have the places that you're renting from share them, make sure, um, that you have the people that you're renting from know what you're doing so that they mm -hmm. can recommend your, your services. You know, when I first started, the other thing that was really nice is the place that I was renting from, um, at the one location, she let me borrow her employees as my assistants. So like if I had a client and I needed help, so her employees were in on all my visits. So they knew what I was doing. So let them know they can shadow you for the day, you know, have a little lunch mm -hmm. and learn for mm -hmm. not, like an animal hospital for just the people at the place you're renting from so they can recommend your services. Um, that sort of stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Those are some very, very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, you definitely, <laughs> definitely did. Awesome. Um, and then the, the last question I always like to ask is, what has been the most rewarding part of this journey for you, both as a small business owner, but then as a canine rehabilitation therapist? Um, I am, I am proud of myself for owning my own business. Like just the fact that I own my own business and that it's successful. I am proud of myself. You know, I have a lot of balls I'm juggling. Um, I train my dogs. I have kids. I do Mm -hmm. some release work, which I don't, not ready to give up yet because I like it. And, um, I have this practice and I'm work hard and I'm being successful and I'm proud of that. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so that's as a business owner, you know, that's that. But as a therapist, I'm just grateful that my journey has brought me to a place where I can help so many pets, you know, like, you know, when they come in and they're like, well, my dog has been limping for a year and I can look at that dog and be like, I know what's wrong with it. And then I can help it, you know, maybe it's not perfect, but mm-hmm. I can give it a good quality of life. Even it's for it's, you know, however, you know, three months, six months, a year, two years, five years, whatever, I can help that pet. And, uh, it's super rewarding at the end of the day. <laughs> nice. I think I, I love both of those things, but definitely, you know, yeah, you, you've been a business owner now for eight years. I mean, that's a, I know it's crazy. That, that's an amazing accomplishment. You know, uh, I forgot what was the data I read years ago, you know, from uh, the SBA and stuff, but it was something wild that like after 10 years, only 4% of businesses are still in business. And of course wow. it varies a lot from industry to industry kind of yeah. stuff but but it is and, and we it's it, it can be very hard to lose perspective on everything that you have accomplished so far yeah you know uh because of life in general like i said you yeah. know not not only you're running the business and you're seeing those patients but then you're also doing the runs and stuff with your dog you have you know mm-hmm. two little humans at home that kind of like also need their own attention <laughs> and that kind of stuff too and, and and juggling all of those things together you know, can get very chaotic. And sometimes it's good to look at that perspective that it's like, yeah, I'm damn proud of like, you know, being where I'm at today. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. Awesome. All right. Anything else in terms of your business? We're going to post the link on the show notes for, you know, ready to go veterinary rehab, but anything else that you want to share, like about how to find you, how to follow social media or anything? Um, uh, it's just to ready to go you? that rehab. You know, it's yeah. ready to go vet rehab. They can, you know, if anybody has any questions for me personally, they can always shoot me an email. Um, all our mm-hmm. contact info is on the website. Um, it's uh, email address is either front desk at rtgvetrehab.com or uh, rtgvetrehab at gmail.com and shoot me an email. And uh, I'm happy to help anybody I can with whatever part of their journey that they're in. Awesome. Lisa, appreciate it. Um, thank you for coming, you know, on the podcast today. Uh, uh, also, you know, it has been amazing to see your journey over two years now. It's been like a couple of years yeah. since you went through the business accelerator program. And then we've yeah. been working together since then and see the, the, the progress, you know, and everything that you have accomplished since then and everything that is coming down the pipeline kind of stuff. And, and the one thing I love about working, you know, in particular with with folks like you and a couple other folks in our group who have their own business in the Chicago area too you know mm-hmm. it's we're all fairly close to each other right your your clinic is a little yeah. further maybe like an hour and a half or so away from my clinic 
but still relatively close in, in, you know, and I think it just shows how we can all work together, you know, to without having this mindset of scarcity of, you know, thinking, oh, but this person is a quote unquote competitor or this or that. And we all benefit from that. And I cannot tell you how many times we get people contacting us that they're, you know, maybe Northwest Indiana or in their far in the suburbs. And you're like, yeah, here, here's ready to go rehab, contact them. And, you know, it's going to be much thing. better for you to go there. Yeah, I tell them it's going to be much better for you to go there rather than you try to drive through Chicago <laughs> to the north side where we are in the middle of the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do the same thing because I'll get people contact me and they're like, well, I live in the city or, you know, I live here. And I'm like, why just go see Fran? Because like it's so much closer or, you know, if people in the city call me and they have questions about something you know, or in the north, they're on the north side, I, you know, send them to you. Or if we're really booked out, I send them to someone else that's local because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not, there are plenty of cases for everyone. You know, there's exactly the more people, I think the mindset to have is the more people that get rehab, quality rehab on their pets, the more that they're going to talk about it. And the more people that know about it, the more people that are going to seek it out. So if you exactly. restrict access to something like that, you're really just hurting the profession as a whole. You know, so if I'm exactly. able to help somebody and be like, hey, you know what, I'm booked out six weeks, but you know what, so-and-so down the street, like they're super great. If you go see them, like they'll get you in and they go and do that. They're A, grateful to me that I sent them somewhere and mm-hmm. B, they got good care somewhere else and they're going to talk to people about it. So I think mm-hmm. that that's, you know, it's a better way to have a mindset about it. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. It's like we all grow together because the exposure yeah. grows mm-hmm. by all of us kind of like having a bigger impact in our local communities yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So wonderful. appreciate that, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the K9 PT Academy podcast business lessons for canine rehabilitation therapist if you enjoyed what we had to say please make sure to share or subscribe to our podcast or even leave us a review you can also email us at hello at caninptacademy.com that's hello at caninptacademy.com with any questions or suggestions and go to caninptacademy.com to find more resources and content including our fee calculator spreadsheet which is absolutely free and will help you determine how much you should be charging for your sessions because let's face it determining what we should be charging is one of the biggest struggles we have as business owners in the canine rehabilitation field you can also find all of that information and more under the show notes finally i would just like to add a disclaimer that any of my thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are mine and mine alone and in no way reflect the opinion or position of any other organization or company i may be associated with thank you for listening and remember if you're not having fun and enjoying life or running your business then what's the point in doing so so please go ahead and start having some fun